New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today, we're talking to Swiped On founder and CEO, Hadley Ford. Welcome along, Hadley. How are you? Great. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me. I'm yeah, really well, thanks. Thanks for uh, coming and you know taking a bit of time out from your schedule to uh, to join us on the show. I uh, hope not a bad trip to Auckland. No, no, absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I took the easy option of flying up and down from Tauranga. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. Uh, good, good. Yeah. Well, great to um, have you here. I've sort of you know followed little bits and pieces along the swiped on uh, journey over the over the years. Um, when when did the business um, start? Uh, it started in my head in about 2011, yeah, uh, and then saw the light of day in 2013. Yeah, uh, so I had a bit of time to think about it before getting going, and uh, yeah, so we've been around a wee while, um, but probably uh, only in the news really in the last three or four years, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you you, yeah. you know you had a you know a, a good sized um, exit about uh, you know three years ago. Um, or you know, sale, but you're still in the business. So there's some pretty interesting aspects there. I'm very keen to delve into. But yep. maybe before we delve into to swiped on, it'd be great to hear a little bit about your story, your you know, your background in terms of you know where, yep. where you grew up and uh, you know the different things you you did yeah. before uh, coming up with the idea for uh, for swiped on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's not many founders with my background. I would have to say, especially in the in the tech world. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I grew up in Walkworth, north of Auckland there, and uh, I shipped away to sea at the age of 17. So I trained as an officer in the Merchant Navy, or started out as a cadet. And yeah, applied my trade internationally, starting out on container ships when I finally had my officer of the watch licence, and then you work through to your captain's licence. Uh, and from there, I followed a bit of a grass is greener approach. Uh, so ended up working on cruise ships, which was phenomenal. Spent a number of years there. Uh, the highlight of which would have been being alongside in the Athens Olympics. When was that? 2004, I hope, if my maths is right. Uh, and and that was, was pretty cool because we were, um, uh, I guess, like a floating hotel there for, for three or four weeks. And, yeah, absolutely loved my time on, on cruise ships. And from there, I had an opportunity to work on super yachts as well. And the first super yacht I went to was the largest in the world, being built up in Dubai. Wow! Uh, for the Sheikh of Dubai as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I couldn't turn down that opportunity. <laughs> it was a Kiwi captain there. Yeah. And yeah, had the time of my life there, and uh, spent a good five years uh, working on board his yacht, uh, which is pretty pretty fun. And then from there, I shifted to another new build yacht in Germany, and surprisingly, that was the genesis of Swiped On, where the idea came from. Uh, it was a new build yacht. The build price was about 90 million euros. And we were signing in the crew, the visitors and the contractors just into a pretty average looking uh, paper visitor book. And I thought there had to be a better way. So, yeah, yeah, that's the the TLDR. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. So um, how do you how do you describe swiped on to, uh, to people today? Because um, you've got, yeah, sort of core product, and then you know a, a couple of others. So, what's your what's your um, you know great question description? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've always been certainly since the start replacing paper based visitor books. Yeah, it's a greenfields area. Uh, we're literally just replacing paper sign in books and receptions with a, a better, more efficient way. 
Uh, and in recent times, we've expanded that because now we're in thousands of receptions worldwide, 7,000 to be exact. Uh, and we have, uh, I guess, more uh, more benefit to give them. So we're more of a smart office software nowadays. So our strategy, certainly in the last 12 months, has been to sell more to our existing customers and, and give them more value. So shifting from replacing paper books, so we still do that today, but also branching out to smart office technology. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, from 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 that initial idea that that you had, what did it what did it take you to actually get uh, get kicked off and and yeah. start the business? And uh, you know, w- when did you need to start raising money? What did that picture look like? Oh, great question. <laughs> like most people with these great ideas, and you know, multi million. You know, a dollar idea is potential. I certainly know that now that there was that potential in it. Um, I did nothing about it. I just thought that's a cool idea and carried on with my life, which is why it took a couple of years from from thinking about it. And, and I actually uh, left that uh, that soup yacht that had been built in Germany uh, after a year or well, it's a couple of years, and I came back to New Zealand and worked as a harbour pilot. So uh, that's yeah uh, quite a, an interesting role and if people don't know about the harbor pilot side you go out on a little pilot launch you climb on board large vessels often container ships or bulk carriers uh, and you bring them in with the captain and you're communicating with the tugboats oh right bring them alongside yep uh, and and likewise taking them out to port it's pretty cool but it's it's all weather conditions all hours of the night and day uh, climbing up a rope ladder it hasn't changed the the the, the berthing or sorry boarding methods for well to be honest, 500 years since pilots have been around. Wow. Uh, it was a pretty cool role, and it was down in the port of Timaru uh, that I did that. Yep. And uh, as part of it, having long hours and being, I would say, quite a high-pressure role, it had some benefits, and one of those was uh, quite a bit of downtime. So we had week on, week off, and I don't sit idle particularly well. Yep. yep. I was probably 29 or so at that stage, and I just started studying extramurally. I always had a... Uh, event for business and entrepreneurship so I, I started to do uh, extramural studies and then I thought oh gosh this is going to take me seven years to get a degree and after a couple of papers I thought no I'll throw that all aside and <laughs> I'll just get on with something and then as I'm sitting there thinking of what could I do uh, the app idea from a couple of years prior uh, came back to me and, and I literally got into Google looked up app developers and found a, a software house in Auckland to build the first version of the app, so yeah, I it was pretty wild. One thing that I haven't done, certainly in the startup side of my career, is probably a lot of validation, and nor have I put a lot of, a lot of, I guess, yeah, market validation is probably the, the fairest point, and product validation into it. So I signed the contract to get the first version built, and then I went and bought an iPad because I'd never used one. That's the kind of kind of things that I did back then. Right, and this is a product that basically was going to run purely yeah. on the iPad, right? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew they were – I'd seen the press. I thought they were pretty, yeah. pretty cool devices. Yeah. Uh, and I made all sorts of mistakes right from the start there uh, and had subsequently had to build a second version. So uh, what, what, were those, yeah. what were those early mistakes? Yeah, no, not speaking – I thought I was the customer and I didn't speak to any other potential customers. I had in my head that this will work in every super yacht in the world. I knew that pretty well. Uh, there's only 4,000 of them globally. Uh, and as the first version was being built, I think, I recall even speaking to my sister, she said, well, you know, this can sit in receptions, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it can. <laughs> uh, and it was more of a 
probably more of a crew and outboard that also signed in visitors when mm. it was very first conceptualised. And after getting it live and speaking with customers, they said, well, look, we really just want it for visitors in and out. Uh, so I, yeah, I was probably a bit gung-ho in the early days and uh, listened to that feedback and adjusted the product accordingly. So, yeah, saved myself. Um, I could have saved myself a bit by speaking to customers beforehand. Uh, but then again, they may have scared me away and I would never have started. So sometimes yeah, you could just yeah. go to jump in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, you did an initial development and then you did you rebuild it in another platform or another technology? Correct, or, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I did one build in New Zealand and that the th- we got paying customers. Uh, the first customer we had, I think, was Steven Spielberg's Superyacht. I was like, oh, right, this business gig's pretty easy and uh, <laughs> um, I'll die a happy man after selling something into Steven Spielberg's Superyacht. Yeah. I thought that was the, the biggest achievement it, yeah. of my professional career so far. Uh and, but as I said, it, w- there was a lot of building that had to be done. It was going to be quite pricey doing it in New Zealand. So I actually went on a freelance website, found a couple of developers to build another version with the learnings that I'd had from the first one. And I think I tripled the price from that. Mm-hmm. So the first mm-hmm. one was average something silly like 10 or $12 a month. Mm-hmm. And then I put the price up to $30 with the second version that was built offshore. Yep. And yeah, from all those learnings and having it on the app store and having some good SEO and app store optimization, so mm. search engine and app store optimization. Uh, we uh, yeah we got a lot of customers on board. Just good timing. That's great. And uh, and then from there we we brought the development in house into New Zealand as well. Once we had the the revenue, were you able to use the same code base, or did you have to have another do another sort of re- reset when Start it came, came to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we yeah, just, it's quite interesting how yeah. often that, that this sort of stuff needs to. <laughs> <laughs> needs to happen, and look, it's not an area I've delved into that closely. But over the years, I've certainly noticed sort of you know one brand has an app, and they don't always update that app. They're like, oh no, we're no longer using that anymore. You're going to go and find a whole another app in the app store. Exactly. Is that what, is that what you, That's you had exactly to do? Exactly what we did. Yes. Yeah. We, we, so you kind. Of, I'm not sure how how that would be. Uh, you know, in a, I guess you're in a business to business type. Since yeah. you've already got paying customers, so it's probably not as, not quite as painful in some ways. But you think of consumer brand, what was what was one of them? I don't know. Could have been iHeartRadio or one of one of these sort of audio yeah. apps. And they had a, you know, they had the app. And they had all these users, and they could, you know, you'd expect them just to push it out so they don't lose any users. Yeah. And then it was like, oh no, that one's dead, and you have to Start go and do a whole new install from scratch. How painful was that piece then? Uh, extremely. Okay. Yeah, thankfully we'd put so much value, packed so much value into the new one, uh, people did shift over. And as you said, in a B2B sense, one could argue it was slightly easier. But yeah, it was extremely painful and took us a good 18 to 24 months to actually port everyone across. Wow. We wow. did do some maintenance, just kept the lights on on the, on the prior versions, but all of the, the new widgets and all the fancy things we were throwing, they were on the new one, uh, you know, to, to, to get people up and, up and across. And... I guess with that time frame, and we're only talking 18 to 24 months between a few builds, um, and then, goodness, for the last five, six years, we've, we've maintained the, the sole one, and yeah, yeah, exactly. No, we're not, not going to touch that again. You don't want to, you don't want yeah. to go through that, yeah, uh, yeah. that process again. Yeah, and right. I, I would imagine the more customers you get, you know, the more businesses that you're embedded into, the bigger of a deal it would be if you, 
you know, <laughs> like to go through that again. Yeah. So it's just not something, you know, not not something. I mean, it's not something you'd need to do now. You've got you know complete control of it and so on. Exactly. Um, but you, you can see how that um, that would bite a lot of people going through that. Um, yeah, yeah. That sort of process. Yeah, yeah, no, there's all these kind of fundamental business decisions, but uh, yeah, largely we're through through all of that now and yeah. onto the good side. For any people that are curious around the technologies you use behind the scene, I don't know, it seems yep. I know you're yep. not necessarily deep into that yourself as a coder or anything. Is there anything you can you can share on the, you know, what sort of technologies you, you use behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, I don't have a background in tech and also don't have a background in business. So I've flown uh, from the seat of my pants at, a, at an earlier stage and obviously I've well, learned ticking, ticking the boxes, yeah, I think, on both okay, parts so these far. days, Hadley. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's right. So we use our Amazon infrastructure, uh, so AWS there, and we also have the, the management is by Rackspace, so they offer uh, managed services and yep. uh, on the server side. And then we've got a couple of iOS apps built in a couple of different languages, so Swift being the latest and uh, Objective-C prior to that. And uh, on the the back end, we're doing the typical startup switching uh, engines mid-flight. So we're going from a monolithic stack to kind of cloud-first microservices, um, which is pretty cool to to get into, um, I guess, just, you know, more modern computing and yeah, it yeah. soon starts to go over my head to be honest but we've got some, <laughs> some smart people in the, in the room yeah yeah that that's yeah. cool and so from 2013 through to 2018 that's must have been quite an interesting journey for you from you know getting getting started you brought investment on board during during yep. that window yes um and then in, in 2018, somebody came along and, and said, you know, hey, we've got a little bit of yeah. a little bit of money, and you know, you had a transaction was done. Yes. Walk us through that that journey from you know what was it like, um, you know, like employing developers and so on after yeah. having you know having had that sort of you know outsourced in, in a couple yeah. of different directions and uh, you know what what that looked like. Was that something that came once you had funding, or you just had good cash flow? How, you know, how did that? Play out. Yeah, a bit of everything. Uh, for us, we we bootstrapped it, and then went to raise money. Because I was down in Timaru at the time, I didn't really know how well we were doing. I thought every business did that. Every business bootstrapped to, you know, a million dollars of recurring revenue, and then, and then they went out to market, which I've since learnt. And also being on the investor side of the table, that is not the case. We did it. We were doing extremely well, and. We were quite an attractive uh, pitch when we did present our, our investment case, uh, which is uh, it's um, it's quite funny to reflect on how far you know we've come. Yeah, a great so, position, great yeah. position to be, to yeah. be in. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we raised a, a million dollars in at the end of 2017. Uh, that was made up by a few cornerstone investors, K1W1, which is of course is Sir Stephen Tyndall's investment fund. Enterprise Angels, also based in the Bay of Plenty, and and a few other. Um, we also had NZVF at the time, uh, the Venture Investment Fund mm. that came in. And, yeah, that closed at the end of 17, and we were at a million dollars of recurring revenue then. So bootstrapped it from zero. I self-funded it myself after having a, a bit of cash saved up mm. after working on super yachts and Smart free, free accommodation well, and free lunches. Yeah, <laughs> if, you can, if you can make that work yeah, right, all, yeah. all the better because it yeah. would have allowed you 
yeah. just you know to really be focused without yeah. having to think about yeah. every five minutes where's the next dollar coming from and and how am I going to raise you know oh absolutely raise it yeah and looking back we did absolutely uh, have a position of strength uh, when we were raising and I like to think I've. I'm quite dialed in on the metrics, and, and we track metrics from you know website hits through to conversions and sales and, and all of that, and, and likewise on cash flow as well. And we did, of course, have some dicey moments, and you, you know, might want to put a payment on your credit card every now and then, or like every every startup did. So bringing in that external money uh, just really helped us accelerate things. And not to mention, at the same time, competitors started popping up, and people in Silicon Valley doing the same thing. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh goodness, you know, we've got to keep up uh, with that. So and, we, we, yeah. where were you on that? Were you one of the first, the first? Do you know, was there anybody else doing doing this bef- before you? Uh, there was one other on the App Store, and they had a consumable price of $100. Right. So you pay it, and this was just a, a flat price. Flat price, and, and, and you got access from, from the app, yeah. So we were certainly the second on the App Store and the first to have a SaaS, so a subscription-based model, and that's where my price point of $10 a month came from. I just parked it against their 100 and thought, okay, well, $10 a month, there's 120 and people keep paying us. I didn't even know much about subscription businesses. Uh, so in my own arrogant head, maybe I think I invented SaaS, whereas everything else had been around for years, subscription-based software. Uh, and then from there, our competitors popped up pretty quickly. Uh, and, our, and to this day, our largest one, they've had funding to the tune of probably 50 million US, 60 million US. Uh, which is great to see the capital that we've put in, and the fact that we're we're batting, you know, almost on par to these guys uh, out of San Francisco. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, we we brought the money in. Uh, we pushed things along pretty quickly. It was a fun time. Uh, shifted the business uh, into the Bay of Plenty and, and started to uh, build development capacity around there. And then, only about four or five months after we'd closed the round, uh, we had an approach uh, from a UK listed company called Smart Space Software. Uh, and they were looking to to, to buy a, a business in our area, um, in our space. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. And they, yeah. how did they come across you? Just sort of looking at what was out there in the in the market. Yeah, I've since you? asked. Yeah. And they, uh, there's a a system called uh, Captera, which is bus- like business app reviews. That's right. Yeah. We always had a strategy of ranking in the top three there, uh, and we were always there. And we do curate reviews as well. So. You'll be familiar with the Net Promoter Score. You know how likely are you to recommend? Yes. If somebody comes back and says swiped on's a nine or a ten, which the vast majority of our customers do. Um, we'll say, look, if you've got five minutes, do you mind uh, levering a review? So we um, we make that circular. Those reviews on Capterra helped kind of validate where we are to new customers, and um, lo and behold, it helped validate the business to a potential acquirer as well. Who was canvassing uh, the market? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a, a a very very useful te- <laughs> te- technique. Um, I yeah, I, I guess um, yeah. Uh, there's probably a you know potential, and I, I mean I don't know uh, too much about Captera and these different platforms. There's there's a potential to uh, you know cross cross some lines with some of those sort of mechanisms oh, yeah. if you're if yeah. you're only forwarding your yeah. uh, your your top rated uh, that, that, that's cl- right no no we we, we, we invite uh, any 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 detractors <laughs> to get in touch with us and yeah. uh, we do our best of course with every customer to, to be a promoter 
that's uh, yeah, that's good fun. Yeah, no, uh, that's good, there. good, yeah. good use of the technology. And yeah. I think yeah. that op- that opportunity to sort of get that, um, to get that, you know, create those feedback loops. I think yes. it's, it's so important. Yeah, and not just in the software business. I think you know, re- really broadly, like you know, every. Oh. Every organisation needs to know yeah. how we're we doing by our our clients or our customers, yeah. right? And uh, or whether you're running a cafe, uh, if you search for the the, the best restaurant down in, in Tauranga, the kebab shop nearby where I live turns up because they get people in there reviewing and they're always giving them five stars. So they make that they make yeah, that effort all the yeah. way through. All yeah. the way, it's not yeah. just not just tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's that's good. That's um, yeah, th- and I think having. Um, Having that goal to be in those top three, yes, um, then you can you can use that internally, right? From a you know development perspective, hey, we've got to you yeah. know we've got to go a little bit further here, or we've got to do something that yeah. uh, yes, um, you know we, we're getting some demand for and so on. Yeah, um, what what's it like from from that perspective of having some you know a product out in the market, uh, you know software. Where you must just get constant interest and in new capabilities and and new features, right? Nobody's ever entirely satisfied with with software because everybody knows that it can be changed. Yeah. Uh, and so you know that that's got to be a, a constant and an ongoing um, journey. So how do you deal with that and decide you know what things to focus on and and put your efforts into? Oh goodness. Yeah, that that is one of the the toughest things about software, and it's been with us since day one. Obviously, through to today, I guess with anything in business, it's, it's about prioritisation, building systems, uh, ensuring that our customers feel heard, and when mm. they do request things, and we ship them, uh, that mm. we let them know. Yeah. Uh, so we're putting prioritisation against people that have asked for something. Mm. Um, they'll get notification before the general user base. They. Yep. feel a bit special about that and we feel good as actually having delivered uh, certain features and I it's it's quite funny you, it seems on the surface that we're delivering something extremely simple and you build it once and sit back uh, but no certainly not we've, we've got a team in excess of 20 developers and yeah we're we're constantly pushing things out and it's 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 fun but uh, yeah really just uh, about prioritizing and and also sticking to your core customer as well. Our strategy has shifted tack a couple of times in the business's uh, lifespan, and at present we really are going for more of a mid-market approach. Mm. So we're not competing uh, with the – it can be a bit of a race to the bottom for the cheapest software. We're right, certainly not right. in that. Yep. Uh, but we're also not delivering enterprise-grade software either. So uh, we, we like to call that the mid-market. That, that It's really our sweet spot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you open yourself up to a, a, a really, you know, yeah. lo- a, a large number of, um, you know, potential customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you don't yeah. necessarily have, I don't know, the, the, the super extreme sort of high end no, type. No, uh, I mean, if, you, if you're selling features. into, you know, this uh, a top Fortune 500 company, mm. they'll treat you like this is. Well, this is a vast generalisation, but that your software is built just for them, and if you want, you must do this widget. Otherwise, we're out, and mm. that's not really uh, where we want to play. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's more of a build one thing for many. Uh, we'll deliver to the ninety-eight percent that that want certain things, and sometimes yep. it, it yep. might mean that we have to let customers go, or they're just too much on on the fringe of, uh, you know, they're not quite where we are or where our growth is. So, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. 
And, um, you know, I know, um, you know, some developers will have sort of a clear roadmap sort of marked out and they publish that. Is yeah. that something you do, or do you sort of keep that keep that internal and just sort of surprise your your um, you know yeah. users with with new capabilities as as you're sort of ready and confident that they're ready for for people to see? Yeah, no, we're, we're not one of the companies that discloses roadmaps. Oh, we are rather open with our customers though, and if they mm. request mm. things, we'll say it is on the roadmap. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just once you start to put things publicly, uh, if business priorities or strategies change, then, then you can be a bit caught out. And I think a great example of that is last year, you know, January, February, if we, this is of 2020, of course, if we had shown our customers our roadmap in a few months' time, it was would have been wildly different <laughs> to what it was. And, you know, we we were really at the forefront of COVID. And I hadn't mentioned, I mean, we're in 74 countries globally as well. We play strongly in about five or six, but we really, really are a global software business as well. So... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, so, so, what happened for you during COVID? What were the, what were the, what were the pressures, and you know, how did how did you you know decide to respond? Because yeah. there weren't too many people kind of walking in and needing to check in and receptions, right? Um, exactly around the world for uh, you know a large majority <laughs> of the last year, and arguably, so what do you uh, do? You just shut up shop and uh, yeah. just uh, well, that was go good. Home. Yeah, 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 let's go while it lasts. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, our business model was fundamentally challenged. Uh, there's there's no doubt on that. Uh, we relied on a touchscreen device at reception. So obviously a number of visitors would be touching that. Also employees would interact with that. Uh, so we had to scramble pretty quickly you know, to deliver something. And with that global customer base, we saw things uh, quite quickly. We saw customers come in from certain areas where uh, COVID was a bit more prevalent and it was kind of ones or twos and then it was snowballs. Uh, and we would go back and say, oh, look, we'll make sure and disinfect between visits, but they don't really last so far. Uh, so what we did is we got the whole team together, invited everyone. This is an open session. Hey, we've got uh, challenges ahead. Uh, what are some solutions we can do? And, and an obvious thing that a lot of us realised was to make this thing contactless uh, or touch-free so you don't have to interact with the device. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we go about achieving that? Uh, QR, of course, and you know, QR's definitely come to the fore in the last year or so. Uh, so we built a... Uh, ability that uh, there's a randomised QR that displays in the iPad. So because it's digital, it can change every five minutes, so it does lock you to that site, yep. which is quite cool. Uh, and then you just come in and scan that QR code. Conversely, as a visitor. And then conversely, it can be printed as well and displayed. And all of a sudden, we've decoupled ourselves from somebody having to purchase a $600 iPad too. So there were benefits on the business. And to this day, we have customers with dozens of sites, and they haven't even purchased an iPad. They just have a printed QR, because the the government tracing apps, they don't pass on the uh, visitor information, which is important for health and safety uh, as as well. So that was one side of it, and we delivered the QR, the first version, so we'll call it the minimum viable product, for the QR sign-in in about three weeks, which is record time. The, the 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 team were night and day. Yeah, did anyone and get any sleep during those no, three weeks? No, no. <laughs> and look, the, the first version was quite basic. Uh, today, it replicates the entire visitor flow. You can take a photograph from your own phone. You can sign on it. It's really quite cool. Uh, and then also, because we sign employees in and out, we uh, replicated, uh, we created a iOS and Android uh, application. So it's called our Pocket App. Mm. And then employees can do that to sign in and out. And we actually can sense whether 
if you're signed into the office that you're close to the iPad, we can validate that you're in the office without having to share location data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and likewise, with a lot of employees working from home, you can sign in from home uh, and share that information from your personal device. So, yep. Yeah, a, a big uh, strategic shift there. And we rolled that app out in, it was probably two months, the iOS and Android application mm-hmm. uh, for employees. And, and we've put a lot of our efforts into that direction as well because, as you've said, there's the volume of visitors, the footfall hasn't been there. Uh, in saying that, the requirement to screen and to monitor your visitors is a lot higher now. Yeah. So when people sign in, we can ask them you know, whether they've felt ill or travelled to areas of concern uh, and then we can apply auto-screening and notify administrators within the host company uh, if there's any issues there as well. So we're turning into a proactive tool. And from a pretty dire period in the business, uh, we had huge tailwinds as well, certainly at the back half of 2020. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's, so. that's really cool. Yeah. Now, um, after you, after you um, raised the uh, funding that you talked about in, in 2018, you mentioned you, yeah. you, know, you became an acquisition Target within what was it six months or so? Yeah. Um, so tell us, tell us what that uh, what that that looked like, and uh, you know yeah. what what did uh, what was the, the the journey there? And you yeah, you, know, you seem to come to a reasonably um, quick quick result. Yeah, it, it was the acquirer was as I said previously looking at a few companies. They were after what I would term a quick acquisition, and from first contact to close, we were in the region of three to four months. Uh, and with a you know large amount of due diligence, which was a you know pretty pretty quick turnaround, uh, because we'd just raised money, we had all of our, our what we'd call a doc store in order, you know all of our company's office docs and investment documents and and all of that. So we were actually in a, a really good shape uh, for exit. So when they asked you know for financials or whatever, I said cool, I'll just here, share Here it. it is, yeah. Here it is. Here's the link in Google Drive and you're off. Yeah. Uh, and I know for a fact they were speaking with another entity and it took them three or four months to get the financials together, whereas we just exported it from zero, or well, I did at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a the tip there to be exit ready. Yeah. If yeah. you do have those those approaches. And then from there, obviously, there's a bit of a bit of dancing back and forth on negotiations and, you know, the, the lawyers do do fight that out and... Uh, from yeah, from where we are today, I mean, it could be seen certainly as an, an earlier exit, and especially in the last six months, there's been some quite significant exits in New Zealand. Uh, the landscape back in 2018 uh, wasn't as it wasn't as uh, certainly as, as busy for, with acquisitions, and the activity was mm. a heck of a mm. lot lower, mm. uh, which is yeah, yeah quite interesting. On, on the exit side, for me personally and all of the management shareholders, uh, we sold down half in cash and the other half were issued in shares. Right. So our acquirer is a, a listed company up in uh, the London Stock Exchange uh, called Smart Space Software. So I've still got a vested interest. A lot of us still have a vested interest in turning up each day. We've got one share ticker that we're looking at. Uh, and the work that we put in uh, is directly reflected uh, in that share price, which is pretty cool. I was never going to list my first company, that's for sure. Um, I've always loved public markets and investment and all of that. So if I can have a, a tutelage from some proven players uh, up there in the UK, and, and Frank, the, the CEO on, on Group, he started his own company and, and he did list that a while ago. So there's a really good track record mm. um, that we can follow through and you know, ultimately get some mentorship as well. 
um, and I'm still around coming in, you know, uh, three years later. Yeah, well, that yeah. was that was one of the things <laughs> that surprised me um, was, yeah. oh, hold on, you know, you sold sold up yep. three years ago and uh, and and you're still, you know, you're still in, in the business, which yeah. Yeah, quite often there's, you know, an exit as 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 soon as it can be uh, as soon as it can be done. I th- I think I read in the Herald, and you can you know correct me on the the numbers or whatever, but I think it said a eleven million dollar sort of exit. So you did that half in shares, and, correct, and so on. So and I guess that would have varied with the other investors in terms of you know whether, yep. whether they've you know kept in and you know obviously different different entities. They they get out as quick as they they can get out yes. and so on. But the share price of the acquirer, yeah. of which I mean, how do you have a feel for um, you know what percentage of the the business that's sort of swiped on makes up? Like you're you're a reasonably significant part of that business, oh, a- absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's been quite a quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun. They have mm. they're a group holding uh, two software companies and, and, and one IT. Hardware company, I would say right. that that supports the software. Right. So you're uh, one of kind of three one, three one, pieces to one the of business. Three, uh, and in the three years they have disposed of one company, so they sold that to US-based private equity, and they have also acquired another company which was originally built in Australia. Uh, they are also offer software, but more into uh, meeting room booking and desk booking. So it's been quite cool to to see that and to be on that side of the table. And as far as swiped on, uh, we have absolutely taken the forefront within that business. Our growth has been so compelling uh, that we do make up the majority of what's termed as the market capitalization, so the valuation of, of that business, which is it's really it's, cool. pre- it's pretty cool. It's something to be proud of. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of benefits from uh, being part of a listed company. Our staff, as well in New Zealand, have employee share options issued as well, so that's great for retention and it's. It differs somewhat from you know, startup share options where the liquidity event is a bit unknown. Um, it's and sometimes it can be a bit like fairy dust. You just don't know what where if there's a tangible value against it. Yes. Whereas the day we issue options within the listed company, there's a value right there, uh, and they benefit uh, from the from the growth and, and work that people put in. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Especially unique for uh, where we are, you know, both in the world and, and also in the Bay of Plenty. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that. You know, that's really neat. And I know you know people go into different things around. Oh, is it good or not good for New Zealand when yeah. you know um, you know when these exits exits happen? Um, but I mean, you know, just um, you know, looking at the share price, there looks as though it's sort of you know doubled and you know in that in that sort of you know period of time. Yeah. So that's you know that's basically the the work that that you and and the team put on put in. Um, yeah. You know, is directly sort of you know. Flowing, flowing, you know, back. I suppose, um, you know, at any point if shares are sold. So, um, <laughs> no, it, it's great. Cool. And yeah, you know, as I said, I enjoy those discussions. Uh, the the team here will often bring it up. I'll see what the share price did overnight, or you know, yep. I'll have a chat with the group CEO. And oh, look, it's it's all fun. And yeah. I also acknowledge you have to take the good with the bad. And when the share price goes down, that's life. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, the the best thing we can do is just grow a, a great, sustainable. Uh, the business and and concentrate on that and, and and the price follows so that's cool um so so looking back over the years what would you say have been the you know the most stressful points obviously sort of you know covid when suddenly 
people's need to uh, to use a swiped on app sort of you know, dramatically yeah. reduced yet you had a whole t- whole team of people how did that actually feel once you kind of realized what was going on yeah it was absolutely the most stressful moment or a period of time within the business but look okay I kind of relish I, I love these opportunities when you really have your back against the wall mm-hmm. um, possibly I, I tend to think it's a bit to do with the mentality around pilotage as well because I'd go out and join a ship in a howling southerly and you know it's 25 30 knots and you well that was probably about the maximum you bring them alongside big swell and the captain's you know sweating when you get on board and once it's alongside safely there's quite a bit of jubilation and I feel like they're the days that you're paid for. Yeah, you're not paid yeah. for the fair weather yes, and yes. the uh, when it's you know a mill pond and you bring it in and you're just having a happy chat and you, and you park the vessel. So I, I, I kind of feel that the business earned its dues during that time. We've come out a lot stronger. Uh, we've managed to add to our product suite and, and increase the value proposition. So yeah, while it was stressful, I, I just take the, the other view that it was just a great challenge and uh, awesome personal development and, and team development. I, I do certainly can't claim uh, that myself. From our brainstorming session through to delivery, it was you know the whole team was behind it, and and once again you know things like share options and just everyone being on the journey together. Mm. Um, yeah, help that. Yeah. yeah. Now, often often with startup stories, I you know hear from people about working crazy hours, and you kind of you're left wondering like you know. What impact does this have on family and marriages and relationships and everything else? Yeah. How you know what what's what's that sort of um, how's that played out for for you? Yeah, I I don't switch off very well, um, but look, I it, it, I have I believe I have a really good balance as well, and it's part of being in the bay. We work extremely hard, but we also value that lifestyle. That's why people want yeah. to be here. Yeah. Look, you could sit in the middle of London or Auckland, for that matter, and you know possibly earn a bit more. But we're about you know, balancing that lifestyle out. So even as part of the the onboarding, when we bring new employees in, like hey, work is secondary. If you've got kids, ballet or cross country or whatever, just go. You know, make sure and do that. So we put a lot of trust in, into our staff members. So uh, you've. People are very passionate. I'm more passionate than most, and I didn't think I'd be the case. That would be the case three years after exit. Mm, um, mm. But I just love it, and uh, yeah. No, look, we've got a good balance. Um, I think at some point, um, yeah. No, everyone needs a holiday every now and then, but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, any other any other learnings that um, you know, look, looking back on the on the journey that you think would be of interest to others that are maybe going, you know, going through uh, something similar, or you know, th- uh, thinking about, um, you know, kicking off a, a startup, or you know, they're maybe at a different a different stage in their their journey. Any sort of um, things that, that stand out? Yeah, probably the, the. I mean, there's so many things. Probably the key for me is actually just getting good advisors around early people that have done it before. Doesn't necessarily have to be investors. Uh, but just having, you know, I guess, a mentor or someone to lean on. Uh, and in that same vein, uh, being a sole founder can be can be quite lonely, can be quite difficult, and bringing other people into the entity. As I brought a co-founder in, uh, Ben Scott, who's now at another startup called VidApp. Uh, that was a huge uh, sea change in the business as well. Uh, 
one mind didn't become two, we became three or four, you know, just collectively. So, so I would just get support around the employee, uh, co-founder level and also advisory. Uh, and then from there, you know, don't muck around too much, just get in there and do it. You know? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. That's good. And, um, you know, the, uh, any, any of the other, you know, points when, you know, you talked about getting money off a credit card and, <laughs> and, and so on, like, you know, how much pressure was there in those sort of earlier earlier days of the, the yeah. business and how, how clear was your sort of view forward? Was it murky or was it really, really clear how how things were going to play out? Yeah, it's – yeah, for some reason I just had a stupid amount of belief. Yeah, and looking back on it now, it feels stupid. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. I, but yeah. I – you know, I, racking up on, on the credit card or wherever else, um, no, I just always had a ridiculous amount of confidence in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's since proven true and – we're one of those businesses when we set our numbers at the start of the year, uh, nine times out of ten we hit them. Uh, month on month, it's, it's, it's almost metronomic. Mm. Uh, we, we know that growth. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe well you, put, you put things out in the world and they come back. <laughs> it's just goal setting, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's, it's yeah. certainly um, pretty pretty smart to uh, to set goals and yeah. to have everyone going after them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, I recall one moment. We were in a big hole and – I had one potential angel investor, one of the first, and looking back, it was quite predatory, to be honest. They were trying to really push down the valuation uh, of that, and then all of a sudden got a contract for the same amount, a very big government, well, a, a, a large contract offshore uh, for that exact same amount, and I said to the investor, thank you very much, but if you have, we'll, we'll park it there, and I went on with that contract, and that actually helped fuel really the third stage of our growth wow. um, so I did turn down early investors that, that were pushing things along I'd be very surprised if people did that nowadays to be honest uh, the uh, the ecosystem is far more mature mm. uh, and there's a lot more knowledge sharing as well but I was probably quite naive back then. Yeah I remember when when um, we, we did the podcast with uh, Chris Heslip sort of sure, yeah. sharing some of the push pay yeah. story and it's a fascinating discussion but they were at a point where it was like they they really needed some investment. Mm. Otherwise, maybe they were going to have to close the doors. And I yeah I I won't you know share the detail on it. But yeah, it was it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. You know the decisions that they made through those things yeah. and and how that played out and and how um, you know how Chris felt things might have played out if they'd um, if they'd taken the other the other path. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, really really yeah. really interesting to hear that come up, yeah. uh, you know, somewhat similar type of challenge come come up again because yeah. I, I think uh, there, there will be people with the, the other view or, the, you know, that may, maybe made the opposite decision in a similar similar position. And, and then um, you know, knows where. Yeah. So talking about the challenges, any other big big challenges that you've, you've been through during the, the, the journey of Swiped On? Yeah, a, a, absolutely. Uh, business challenges are... Yeah, it is what it is, but and obviously um, we're not immune to the personal side that does often does often creep in. And while I was piloting, uh, bootstrapping the business and, and doing it on the side, I was also diagnosed with cancer back in 2016, uh, which was which was pretty wild. We were 
uh, really on the you know the steepest gradient, you know the trajectory of 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 the business starting to scale, uh, and, and they had quite a bombshell come through. Uh, thankfully, I had uh, a good early team around me as well, uh, and could concentrate on my health. But to be honest, while I was undergoing treatment, it was a really good distraction to just just to get back into swiped on world and something I was passionate about. And uh, it was it was wild. So yeah, in in, in sixteen, um, I was diagnosed. It's a sarcoma, so it was a, a liposarcoma. It's a one in a million kind of cancer you get. I'd much oh. rather the the lotto odds than uh, than that one. But uh, you know that's life, and, and things are presented, and, and, and challenges are, you know come in front of you. Uh, I couldn't pilot at the time because it was, I guess, a physical lump that was quite large and I, the surgery, I ended up with a metre of scars. I got a, a bum lift and a tummy tuck at the same time on one side, so I was, I was looking pretty good on from, from one angle. And uh, and being, you know, mostly bedridden or, or had restricted mobility, um, I did, you know, manage to put a bit more time in to swipe on, which is just crazy looking back on it. Um, and... Yeah, I had a recurrence a year later as well, which was, you know, bombshell on top of bombshell. Wow. Uh, and the business had just kept scaling. That doesn't stop. That doesn't know whether you're well or not, right? <laughs> so oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was it was it was pretty wild. And look, I had to disclose this to investors yeah, as, as yeah. well because we raised later in that year. And in fact, I remember going up to pitch. I uh, flew up from the South Island to a room of investors, probably with a hundred of them there. And I <laughs> had to try and hide my limp. I dropped the crutches and I was like, right, here's me presenting in full health and, and trying to uh, convey that in my head, whereas I had all this, this stuff in the, in, in the back of my mind. Um, and also didn't want to, uh, I guess, to dissuade people from backing founders that had had personal issues come through. Yeah, and I, yeah, because that's, that's, that's life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. life, it's yeah. life. Uh, and look, it, it, it as it was disclosed, it would have weighed on some people's decisions, but I never had anybody back out around that. That's fantastic. Um, I didn't know the outcome. I think, I mean, the prognosis had generally been good at the time, and now I'm five years down, and you know, it's great, life's good, and I haven't had a, a recurrence since. But it, it, it is something that, that weighs on you. And look, I'd be lying if that wasn't a consideration when the exit opportunity came around as well. I had an, an opportunity to take care of the family. And and uh, keep some chips on the table with uh, with the, the share sale and the public company as well. So yeah, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. You know, you never know what challenges are going to come along in life, but you know, it sounds like a you know a, a great outcome. And um, you know, you 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 must have uh, been incredibly focused and uh, and kept a positive attitude. Uh, a fair chunk of that to uh, to you know come out so well and end up on the right side of it. Yeah, I, I think you've nailed it there. I have always just woken up feeling good, having a positive attitude since well forever, uh, and I, I've always taken the kind of the the glass half full, if that's the right analogy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. approach with things and and really looked at the positive side and. and um, not really dwelled on on the negative. Of course, yes, it got me down from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but look, I also had two young kids with a pregnant wife at the time, and 
In fact, when I had my second surgery, it was the week before she was born, and we're in the uh, hospital, I'm lying on a bed there because I can't move, and we've got the C-section next door. It was just, is this our life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, which is, but, you know, we, we laugh about it, some cool photos, um, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just, if you can get through that, you can get through anything, right? So, yeah, it adds perspective. Nothing nothing really scares me you know, outside of, you know, dealing with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. No, no, um, you're welcome. And, yeah, I just, I guess if uh, other people going through, you know, any level of adversity or any health issues as well, um, <laughs> I mean, you, you can do some pretty cool things. You can multitask. It's not the end of the line there. Um, and thankfully, with, with where I've come, I've managed to, to get through it. But, uh, you know, touching a lot of wood on the way. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not something that leaves your mind uh, for too long anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, you know, it becomes a part of who you are that, uh, you know, that you've, you've been through that and you've conquered that. And um, yeah. that's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't speak about it particularly often. And, in fact, I would go so far as to say half our staff wouldn't even be aware uh, of that, but I also don't hide it, uh, and I ha- happily, happily speak about that. So, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, really, really interesting, Hadley. Uh, real privilege to have you uh, on the podcast. So, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Yeah, yeah. thanks for your time. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to add before we uh, before we finish up the show? Oh no, look, uh, not, not particularly. Um, it's been a wild journey. That the story is yet to be told. As I said, I'm still in there. Yeah, we've got. High aspirations with the share price up up in the northern hemisphere there, up in the UK, which is fun, and you know, seeing uh, investors jump on Twitter and uh, you know, retail investors kind of share good news when it comes through is quite rewarding. So it's it's been quite a journey. Um, so yeah, I'm just still part way through, but we'll see see how it goes. Yeah, great. Oh well, you know, thank <laughs> you for your contribution to the New Zealand uh, tech sector, and yeah. uh, all the best for the next steps forward from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Thanks, Paul. Excellent. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us on the uh, the show today. Uh, we will uh, look forward to having you uh, back uh, to listen into uh, to the next episode. Uh, if you uh, if you're not a, a regular listener or subscriber, um, then you can uh, follow or, or subscribe through your uh, your favourite podcast app. Um, a huge thank you to our show partners: uh, Umbrella Connect, Gorilla Technology. Uh, Vodafone, HP, uh, Datacom, Palo Alto, Networks, Spark New Zealand and uh, Vocus New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll look forward to catching you next time around. And thanks again, Hadley. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. New Zealand's tech podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.